is the Spin Talk Podcast. Catch Spin Talk with Lauren, live on Spin 1038 weekdays from 1. Spin 1038, you're welcome back to Spin Talk with Lauren. Now, my next guest, I'm delighted to say, is Independent Senator Lynn Ruan. Lynn, you're very welcome back to Spin Talk. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Uh, you came in to see us when you were just first elected to the Shannon back in April 2016. I didn't think it was that long ago. I would have sworn it was last year. <laughs> I know. It fe- in one sense, it feels really long. And in one sense, it, it went in the blink of an eye. Like, it's, it's yeah, a lot has happened between, between then and now, I suppose. A lot has happened, absolutely. And I know the day you spoke to us, there was... Um, a list a mile long of issues that you're very passionate about. Yeah. When you got settled into the job, um, you know how 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 was it? You know, there's there's so many things that you're that you're you feel strongly about that you're passionate about. Um, what's the reality like of being a senator in Ireland and getting that job done? Yeah, I think like I mean historically, I think it's been very difficult, but I think the numbers in the Shannon has allowed for us to have a lot of constructive. Um, conversations and also a lot of amendments from you know opposition and independent senators to have actually made it into into government bills and I, historically I don't think that would have been the case so I think in terms of feeling like I'm actually making a difference to to some of the legislation I think I came in at the right time in 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 into uh, into the Senate so I mean it has been hard at times there hasn't been you know the stuff that that hasn't happened that I would have loved to you know my own bill on on drug decrease criminalisation is stalled at the minute but yet there's a positive in the sense that you know there's a working group um, being set that was set up by the minister to look at it so there's lots of positives and lots of waiting around you know like stuff that you'd like to change tomorrow you know but it mm-hmm. might take it might take a couple of years yeah. I suppose actually like, like keeping in team with International Women's Week um, I didn't set out for it to be this way but I noticed that um, the more I was in here and the more I began to focus on gender, really, and, and on looking at legislation and seeing how it particularly impacts on women mm-hmm. um, and on, on, on working class people. So I've, I've had a lot of positive stuff since I've come in in 2016 in terms of amending legislation for better services um, for women. Um, I don't know whether you want me to say what any of those are. Yeah, I'd love you to. Yeah, so like, I mean, one of them would have been um, I strengthened protections for domestic violence victims in mediation. So, you know, the, the bill, the mediation bill is a really positive bill, but it was a part of it that I was concerned about in terms of when we ask women to enter mediation processes um, with their ex-partners, whether it be through a marriage, whether it be um, through a partnership that's breaking up and they've to look at, you know, maintenance and, and child access and stuff. And there was a move towards kind of encouraging mediation. Mm-hmm. But I, int- I, I introduced an amendment to put a clause in there that would ma- mean that the barrister or solicitor or the legal team would have to tell them that if, them, if they feel that themselves or their children are at risk from entering mediation process that, that this might not be for them so that they could feel that they could opt out of that in a sense. Wow. And I suppose in relation to, to um, women again, um, we also had a successful amendment passed to the Domestic Violence Bill which introduced um, a mechanism for out-of-order, uh, out-of-hours firing orders. Um, you know, so if you're entering into a weekend or it's four or five in the morning and being able to access actually a barren or self safe mm-hmm. if you are a victim of domestic violence. So there's been lots of lots of work in relation to um, 
gender proofing legislation, I suppose, this year. That's brilliant, me. Lynn. Great to hear that. Um, going back to drug decriminalisation for a minute, mm. was that the, the priority for you? Was that the very first thing to do on your to-do list? Yeah, like we introduced, we've written a really good piece of legislation. Um, well, we've drafted that legislation and we brought it before the House um, in May, I think it was. And currently it's on hold um, until after the working group that the Minister has set up to actually look at drug decriminalisation in Ireland has carried out their work. So at the minute they, we've come to the arrangement that um, as part of their work they will also consider um, the, the drafted legislation. So I think there is movement on that, like, mm-hmm. you know, beyond just my legislation. So I think, like, you know, over the next couple of years, I definitely see Ireland moving more towards more humane approaches to addiction rather than criminalisation. I've definitely noticed, even in my time presenting Spin Talk, a change in attitudes. We've spoken so many times to the team at Anna Liffey Drug Project about mm. um, injecting centres, and I've definitely noticed... Um, more and more people in favour of supervised injecting centres every time we've discussed it on the show. I think more awareness and more education yeah. and more open and honest conversations about drug use. Yeah, like I think people are realising that we've had the justice system um, look after the drug use um, in Ireland for so long and it, and it hasn't worked. I mean, every year we have an increase of, of drug users. We have people caught in that cycle and, you know, getting locked up for small amounts of possession for their personal use, um, you know, and going through that cycle over and over again for their, for their whole lives. So we, I think, uh, you know, as Ireland matures as a, as a nation, they look and they go, well, you know, what's working and what's not working. And sometimes we need to walk away from policies that don't work. Mm. And, you know, I think, you know, large portions of, our, of, of um, society in Ireland are starting to look at that a health-led approach in relation to addiction um, is the way forward and I think it's really positive and, and um, I suppose I'm quite excited I suppose for the next few years to see how that unfolds. Yeah, fingers crossed because you know sometimes it's just a matter of having difficult conversations and I know um, from um, speaking to you in the past and reading other interviews with you like as a mum talking so openly to your own kids about drugs and having other difficult conversations with them it's just about not being afraid to broach certain subjects with young people and I think that is what's changing the tide in Ireland Yeah I think I think knowledge is power and you know and education is key and I think if we equip parents and communities to be able to have difficult conversations, whether it be about drugs, whether it be about sexual consent, whether it be about criminality, I mean, you're not going to always stop instances of those. But I think if we bring our children or our young people to a certain point where they have an understanding of it, well, then hopefully um, they can make a much more measured um you know, response to whether they um, get involved in any of those things. And obviously conditions play a key role. I mean, if you're living in deprivation sometimes, it, you know, it doesn't matter how much you kind of inform your children. and um, st- You can still be exposed to, to mm. stuff that, that you wouldn't really want them to be exposed to. So I think there's many layers, I suppose, to the conversation. It's about um, how do we educate our children on these subjects, but also how do we support communities to be able to respond to those issues as well so that everybody's kind of equipped to address address what's going on. What um, have been the most important messages for you, Lynn, that you want to get through to your girls as they've been growing up? I think them having, you know, my daughters having, having a voice and being confident and secure in that voice and having value and worth on themselves. You know, I think growing up, um, without, without me realising, I had a lot of ingrained 
kind of negativity towards myself as a, as a young person, as a woman. And, you know, it took me years and years to accept who I am and embrace that and feel empowered to make change. And when I look at my daughters, um, they are very vocal on things that they care about. And I suppose as a young person, for me, you know, I didn't feel that same, I didn't have that same empowerment. And I think it's because I didn't have the knowledge. So I think what I want them to have is the knowledge and the education and the empowerment to, to stand up for who they are mm-hmm. and to also um, stand up for the, the people around them that need them to, that are in more vulnerable situations than them. Like I look at my youngest daughter, who's only 11, and her knowledge and understanding of issues astounds me. You know, sometimes I look and I go, how the hell did I get her to that stage <laughs> where she understands all of that? And I think I think it, that probably ties back into the ripple effect of education, you know. Mm. So your education, you educate a, a working class mum or a single mum or, or, or a parent, and that has a natural knock-on effect down through the generations. And I think I'm starting to see that when I, when I look at my kids be so passionate about so many issues that I wouldn't have even had the words for until I was well into my 20s, you know. I know you said you're very excited um, for the next few months the next year when it comes to the work that you're doing in yeah. the Shannon. But what about the, the the future beyond that, Lynn? What are your hopes for your own future? Um, wow, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I think for the first time, you know, I, I've spent my whole life kind of working off two-year plans, three-year plans. You know, how am I going to get from this to that, you know, because I was always trying to, you know, find my ways around the obstacles that stopped me kind of, you know, being able to succeed or, or to find a career or, or to be able to have a certain standard of living. And I think right now is probably the first time in my life I'm in the present and kind of dealing with things on a, on a daily basis. I think every year I discover a new part of myself that I'm passionate about or I discover a new part of society that needs support and advocacy. And I think every year what my future looks like will, will, will change drastically in terms of um, my own lived experience and also the work that I get involved in. So I find it very hard right now to look like five years or ten years ahead the way I used to. I used to have to do that mm-hmm. because I used to have to try to get to that point, you know. But right now I'm just very focused on the issues that I'm involved in and also expanding my knowledge on issues that I, I probably don't understand enough or I need to gain more experience in. And obviously, you know, we have a referendum in that this year. So I'm kind of really just stuck in that moment right now and on the kind of the advocacy around that and the campaigning around that. So I'm not really sure what my future my future looks like right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Which, which is actually a, a positive, yeah. a positive thing because, like I said, it's the first time I'm kind of solid in... in you know, the moment. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, just before I let you go, Lynn, I know it's been an emotional few days for you and um, for the community yeah. where you're from. How are you? Yeah. Um, honestly, not great. Um, I, I don't think there's any point in, you know, pretending. Um, it was it was, it was was difficult. Um, but I did get out around my community and just see some of the most inspirational women just keeping in team with International Women's Week. I mean, um, Nell Mon, a local woman, I watched her nearly 60 and she was shoveling the, the, the snow away from, from the estates in Cushlan, you know, with such force. And I've watched women that have experienced so many things in their lives and they're the ones that still continue to create the, the community spirit and the volunteerism that, that exists in Tallinn when people look out for each other. So I think 
sometimes when we encounter difficult situations and we're not going to pretend that what has happened over the last few days, that, that those isolated situations, we know that, that they were hard on everyone. But I think sometimes to survive, we need to focus on, on the positive because there was, you know, millions of times more positives going on in, in the Tala community than there was negatives and um, you know, it has been hard. It's been quite emotional, really, to be honest. Of course. Well, thank you so much for your time um, today. Really appreciate you joining us on Spin Talk and I hope we'll speak thank to you, you again. Senator Lynn Ruan, thank you so much. Thank you. This is the Spin Talk Podcast. Catch Spin Talk with Lauren live on Spin 1038 weekdays from 1.